Welcome to episode 30 of the J-Bunny's Music Hub podcast. I'm your host, J-Bunny. For this episode, I sit down with Tim Ripper Owens, who is probably best known as a former singer for Judas Priest and Iced Earth. He's also been in quite a few other projects. He's currently in the bands The Three Tremors, A New Revenge, and Spirits of Fire. Uh, We're going to talk about all of that and more in our interview. Um, and, uh, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. I had a really great time talking to Tim. I had a really great time finally getting to see him play. And, uh, without further ado, Tim Ripper Owens. All right, what's up, everybody? It's Jay Bunny. I am sitting here outside of, uh, Dingbats in Clifton, New Jersey, in inside of a car with Mr. Tim Ripper Owens. How's it going today? I'm good. How are you? I'm all right, man. Um, so... I think this is the first time I've ever done an interview after the show. I was telling you before we turned on the recorder, I, I had thought that I'd never seen you live before, but I'm fairly certain that you played at the Roadrunner United concert back I in did. 2005. It's been a while. Yeah, I did. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> and so I did see you play a couple songs there, but this is the first time I've seen you do a full set. I never got a chance to catch you in any of the million bands that you're in. <laughs> yeah, right? Now you did. I first became aware of you in 2003 around... I don't remember exactly, but it was either around the tail end of your time in Judas Priest or like right, maybe right after you left. And obviously, at this point, many people are familiar with the broad strokes of your story of how the the tribute band singer becomes the singer for the actual band. But I wanted to know because I I don't know this part of the story. How did that come about? Like, did you audition or did they find you? How how they, did that happen? They found me. I was in a Judas Priest tribute band for a little bit, and uh, they had. Um Found a, I quit the band, and then a year later, they they somebody recorded my last uh, show with this Judas Priest tribute band, and they they um, found that tape and uh, got a hold of me, found my number and got a hold of me, and, and asked if I wanted to come out and audition. No one else auditioned for Judas Priest. I'm the only person that actually auditioned for Judas Priest, and uh, and I went out there not even knowing I was going to have to sing. They they were just kind of saying, yeah, you're just going to have to, you know. Uh, we want to meet you. We saw the video, but then I got out there and I said, okay, time to sing. So I was like, oh my God, I haven't <laughs> practiced or worked on anything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they found me and, and I was flown to, to England and auditioned. Wow, okay. Now, you were in the band for about seven years. You recorded two studio albums, and, and I've seen you mention in recent interviews that you kind of feel like your time in the band has been erased and you've expressed a desire to re-record Jugulator and Demolition just so the material would be more available to the fans that want to hear it. Do you think that the members of Judas Priest would be on board with you doing this? Oh, well, I could do it. They, they wouldn't be able to stop me, but um, I'm not, you know, I'm not certain I would or not. The problem is I don't ever bring up the Judas Priest stuff. People always say, man, you always, you're always talking about Judas Priest. I'm like, I don't ever talk about that stuff. Someone asks me a question and I say, just like this, they say, uh, what do you feel about the album's not being out there and them never playing a song live. And, I mean, the only real response is it's like the time was erased. I mean, it's not... I'm not... I'm friends with the band. Right. I'm not saying anything bad, but I don't talk about that off of it. You know, it would be cool to re-record the stuff. And I did say that, but I don't know if I ever would even have time to re-record it. And if I did, it would probably be live because I play those songs when I tour solo. Right. You played one of them tonight. Yeah, I play... When I tour solo, I'll play Cathedral Spires, Bullet Train, Burning Hell, uh, Jugulator, 101, Hell is Home, Lost and Found. I mean, I, I'll do sets that 
two over two hours of just that kind of stuff. I mean, plus screen machine and my stuff, you know, as well. But ice their stuff, uh, solo stuff, beyond fear stuff. But yeah, I mean, I'd probably do it that way. But I don't know if I'd actually ever have time. And I just said that to him, like I'd like to re-record it, just because I'd like to have it out there. Right. I wouldn't make any money from it as I do now. I, it's not like I want these records out there to make money. Right. Right. Because I don't make a dime off of them if they're out there. So it's not like I'm gonna. I'm asking for. You know, something to be out there to try and make money. I just want people to, to hear it. I think that's the only bad thing. Um, I can live without it because it's probably a label thing with with them not being out there. I understand it. Uh, and I understand, you know, Rob even, or the band not wanting to probably do songs live. I get that as well. I, I have my own career that I go and do. But it's just kind of, it, it's kind of amazing that they are gone. Right. Well, what's funny is that at that time that I had first become aware of you, uh, the, the reason I had become aware of you was a friend of mine was super, super into your time in Judas Priest, and that was how I got exposed to it. And he was telling me that even then, in like 2003, it was hard to find those records. And I actually happened to find a copy of uh, of Jugulator in like an FYE and bought it for him for his birthday because he really wanted it, and I happened to just stumble across it. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, you can get them every now and then now, like a used one or something. They're pretty expensive now. But I was, say, I was looking just, on, on Amazon earlier today. They want like 30 bucks yeah, plus just for one album. It would be album. nice to just find... Uh, well, if, if you get vinyl, that could be... Do you find the vinyl for that? No, I think it was just the uh, CD. There was, I think there was like... There, there might have been vinyls that were like 200 bucks, something like up, that too. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I should be selling those at the shows. <laughs> but uh, so after, after you left Judas Priest, you joined Iced Earth. And this was right around the time I had become aware of Iced Earth. And I still remember watching back when MTV still had music on, and they used to do those MTV news things. That, that Ian Robinson, who was like their metal guy, yeah. actually did like a report about how you had joined Iced Earth. And so I, I still remember that in, in my head. And so I was just wondering how, I mean, you're kind of going to hear me ask this question a lot. How did that come about? How did you end up joining Iced Earth? Um, I met John somewhere, and he asked if I might want to sing on the, the Glorious Burden, you know, just kind of. You know, Matt was wasn't going to be in a band any longer, and asked if I might want to do vocals. And at that time, I really wasn't doing. You know, I could see the end of Judas Priest. You know, and I think the, you know they. I asked him, and I said, "Yeah, sure, go ahead and write, do the do the vocals." So I wasn't necessarily going to be in the band. Okay. At that time, I was just doing best vocals. Okay, so you were going to do sort of to make the comparison, sort of like when uh, when Matt Barlow was out of Ice Earth and he did Pyramids. That was just sort of a guest thing. Yeah. Okay. Now, with both Judas Priest and Iced Earth, you had big shoes to fill in Rob Halford and Matt Barlow, and then ultimately you left each band so your predecessor could return. Did you feel a sense of rejection from the bands or the fans since this happened to you twice in a row? Actually, I didn't feel it at all because that's something that's going to happen, and I needed it to happen because after Judas Priest, it, it put my name out there to do other things, and you know it made it where I could probably look at a broader scheme of things financially I could do more stuff I could kind of now I could I could have sank like a lead balloon as well <laughs> but I think in that after after iced earth especially after they fired me then the way they did it it really made me you know ready to go so I, I actually when Judas Priest fired, let me go I wanted to be let go but I would never quit because okay. I just knew this is a great record with iced earth and I could see that that there was good things, and then when I started to let me go, I, I was already had beyond fear, and I was already started a two. Then I, people asked me right when they let me go to come do some appearances in other countries. So I kind of saw the opening there, and I, I ran with it. Yeah, it could be a little scary, but it also could be 
I work. I knew that financially I could be better off, but I also knew I was going to be working a lot harder. Right, right. So I think that's it. That's an issue that really made it where I was going to be a lot busier. Okay. And then after after you left Ice Earth, you joined Ingve Malmsteen's band, and you've said in other interviews recently that you had a great time playing with him, and you'd do it again. Despite the unkind things he's had to say about his previous singers in general, what did you enjoy most about playing well, with Ingve? You know, I've been lucky. Uh, when, when I talk about my time with Judas Priest, it was fantastic, and I'm great friends with Judas Priest. And and they they I couldn't have been treated any better. So when I always say things about that, about financially, I knew it could be better off. Judas Priest financially was was great to me, mm-hmm. and my time with Judas Priest, I served as well. Everything was great with all that, and Ingve. He gets and he does get a bad rap, and so he should. I'm not saying he shouldn't because I see how he treats other people, but he treated me good, you know. Yeah. And, and uh, we had, it was fun. I had a fun time with him, and you know, I don't burn bridges. I, I'd love to make another record with him. So, what, what did you enjoy most about that experience of being in his band? Uh, well, it, you know, it was cool because he was a guy that changed the face of guitar playing at one time in the '80s, and right, right. Totally changed it. But I, I liked, uh, I liked. Um, he, we got along. He, he treated me well complimented me um, had a good sense of humor it was a good time alright and uh, you left his band in 2012 due to scheduling conflicts with your solo shows to my knowledge the only solo album that you have under your own name is 2009's Play My Game do you have any plans to record any other albums under your name or are you too busy with everything else you do to do that no we probably will I mean you know I'm, the thing is I still write like with, with uh, Spirits of Fire and A New Revenge I wrote those records and uh you know, so I still do writing, um, you know, doing chart walls of the damned and things like that. But it's, uh, I definitely want to do another solo record. Whether it's going to be Beyond Fear, whether it's going to be a solo record, I'll do. But I mean, they're both the same, really, right, right. the same thing. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll uh, probably do one, yeah. Okay. And then you mentioned chart walls of the damned. Did that band, did your um, inclusion in that band, come about because of the Ice Earth connection? Because I believe he was in the band at least while while you were at some point. Well, yeah, we became friends after that, stayed friends, and then he wanted to do his own thing. He gave me a call one day and said, "Hey, let's uh, let's do this. All let's right. do a band." I said, "Yeah, let's do it." And I heard the stuff. I said, "Yeah, it's pretty cool. It sounds great." And now you you kind of already mentioned it, but, but you, I've noticed in, in looking looking into it today. Uh, the band has been relatively dormant in the last couple of years. Do you guys have plans to record a fourth album? We or? probably will. I mean, you know, three albums in, in those years is pretty good. And uh, but the last one, 2016, probably something. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll probably do it. It's up to Richard, you know, and and my schedule. So, but we'll see. Yeah, I say you're you're a busy guy, and yeah. he's got the Howard Stern yep. thing. And so this is all stuff that you've done in the past. Uh, but you also have you mentioned two of them now you have three bands that are currently releasing music within the within from the beginning of this year uh, the first of these bands which is what uh, we saw tonight was the three tremors uh, can you tell me about how the band came about because I, I recall years ago hearing that originally that name was going to be used for a project featuring Jeff Tate Rob Halford and Bruce Dickinson and then and then I, that idea evolved into Trinity featuring yourself and Jeff Tate and Blaze Bailey so how did this version of the three tremors come about well this was started with sean calling me and saying hey let's do an original record you know because i do these trinity things and metal singers in brazil and they're all cover things you Mm -hmm. know and sean's like i want to do an original thing something that's totally different something that'll blow your face off and it's gonna be crazy music and so he did it and and uh then he when the name came up he was just like you know no one's ever used the name i mean they they it was an urban legend. They talked about doing the three trimmers. It was never done. 
the name wasn't owned, uh, copywritten, uh, wasn't any domain names. I mean, it was just kind of out there, so they never even did anything. And obviously, that means they probably weren't going to do anything. So he just thought, hey, let's do the urban legend. Let's do it. Become the three trimmers and do a record. Okay. And when uh, I had read an article that when you guys did Trinity, it was said that that name was chosen in favor of the three trimmers to avoid being sued by the three tenors. Is that still a concern? Mm, I never heard. No. Uh, no. I never even heard that. I don't know. I, I gotta be honest. I don't even know what... We just did a, a tour playing our songs and called it Trinity. I don't know. I never even knew there was anything to do with the three trimmers. That's the first I even heard that. Uh, and no, I don't... Uh, no, I wouldn't have any thoughts about that. I mean... It's the three trimmers. I mean, what's you know, it's not the three tenors. Right, right, okay. And now, so you guys have three, you know, obviously the the three trimmers. There's three vocalists in this band. Did that take some adjusting to to have three versus just being your you know yourself and most of your? It other did. Bands? Uh, you know, when I recorded the record, uh, when we made this record, we all recorded it as a whole. I mean, I recorded the whole record instead of like pieces. So there's a real version of me doing the whole record as well. And then they kind of mixed it. But no, I mean, you know what it did for me is it made me sing different. I sang a lot higher. I sang a lot of raspier. And I did a lot more layering, so I didn't sound like those guys at all. I tried to sound different on the record, which I think I do st sound different on the record. So I think it was a big thing it made me do. All right. That's cool. Are there any any downsides to, to being the three? I mean, it seemed like, if I was interpreting what was going on, it seemed like there was, all, like you said, you, you did the whole record and then you guys sort of mixed it. It seemed like you guys kind of can kind of trade off and like, okay, today you're going to do it. Because I saw you guys on stage like pointing at each other, like, okay, you go now. Yeah, we do. And a couple of songs, we're, you know, listen, we're still trying to figure it out because when we recorded the record, we recorded the whole thing. So we still sometimes can't remember... Is that my part? Even though we're about thirty shows into it, <laughs> uh, we still we still aren't certain because we, you know, we don't know what we did. Okay, and then you mentioned before Spirits of Fire and A New Revenge, which are your other uh, new bands. Uh, the Spirits album came out last week, and New Revenge comes out at the end of March. How did how did these two bands come into? Well, A New Revenge was the oldest one, and that's that was recorded about three or four years ago, and uh, it was called Project Rock, and we would go to Russia with Kerry Kelly and Ruby Sarzo and. James Kotek and we would we would do that stuff and then we just decided to write a record and record it you know and uh, like I said that was the oldest one more of a hard rock kind of record and then, and then Spirits of Fire came next Frontiers and Chris Caffrey had the idea to do a record and called me and you know Chris and I and Roy Z wrote the record and recorded it and then at the end of that when we finished recording, it's when Sean called me and said, let's do this. So they were all in stages. It's just they all came out at the same time, which I'm not sure how that even happened. You know, so it's kind of neat to do those records and have, they're all three different types of records. All right. Um, now, do either of those bands have any touring plans for after this Three Tremors tour wraps up? Or? I don't know. We'll see. You know, I'd like to, but I'll probably be doing a deal hologram tour uh, in the States and doing something different like that just because I never, I just want to, do things different sometimes and no one's ever toured like that so so we'll see I mean, I'd love to, to be able to fit those tours in it's all all if we can do it financially and if it makes sense it costs a lot of money to tour and, and uh, I certainly can't do it for free right right so you mentioned uh, I was going to get to this later but you mentioned the D.O. hologram how do you feel about that like the, hol the hologram well I feel thing. great because we just had a, a movie win a bunch of awards that was about someone who passed away and some actor played him so I mean it's kind of funny that people people seem to be fine with going to wax museums and people kind of go to Wendy oh you're making money no Wendy spent more money than people will make in a lifetime 
on trying to make this hologram work for the fans. She's not made a dime. She spent, I can't even tell you how much money she spent. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to try and get this thing to, to go out there. Because she does what Ronnie does. She wants to make the fans happy. If they're not, they're not. But again, like I said, I see this guy who busts my balls about the deal hologram and saying somebody's making money from this. And then he tells me, then he's, I see him telling me how, or telling people how great the Queen movie was. I'm like, isn't somebody making money off of some actor playing? This actor's making $10 million to play Freddie Mercury. I mean, right. Let's, I mean, what are you talking about? But I just like it because it's different. And I'm a big fan of Ronnie. I would love to go see a David Bowie one, to be honest. I'd love to see a David Bowie hologram. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's creepy and it's weird. My thing is, it's really Ronnie's voice coming through, and the band's playing live. It's pretty crazy. Right now, do they use like live recordings from that, or do they yeah. use studio? It's a live recording. Yeah. Okay. So is this the the, the Dio? Is that the evolution essentially of the Dio Disciples? Because I knew you guys had that first. Well, we did that. You know, I quit Dio Disciples years ago, and now I still do some shows with it. But no, I think it, Dio. No, Dio. It's Dio's band backing the hologram up. When we deal with Disciples, I'll sing a, four or five songs on that tour. But it's you know Dio, that was Ronnie's last band kind of right, with right. him. So I mean, so he's kind, they're kind of backing him up, and then Dio, and then we're kind of, uh, you know, doing some extra songs to make it a different type of show. Okay, now when when you were in that band, like how important? I mean, it seems like well, I still kind of am now, but I kind right. of left. Well, it kind of seems because like, again, I tour so much. Right. Well, it seems like in general, what I was getting at is, it seems like Dio uh, Dio's legacy. It seems like is 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 very important to you to be a part of and to preserve. And so, it was, uh, you know, I was wondering. You know, I was lucky to see him twice with Heaven and Hell before he passed. And I was just wondering, in general, with your involvement with with all of this Dio stuff, the Dio Disciples, the Dio Hologram Tour, like how important was it for you to be involved in these projects, which which serves a tribute to Dio and his legacy? Well, it's really important. I mean, I, I love to sing. My thing is, I just I was friends with him. Wendy's an amazing lady, and I love to sing Ronnie songs. Yeah, I love to sing Ronnie songs. I mean, it makes me when I'm with his band, it's pretty emotional. So I love it. So the day of the interview with Ripper, it was really fucking snowy, and the weather was getting bad, and we weren't able to do it till after the show was over. So during the interview, the rest of the band uh, had finished uh, whatever they were doing after the show, and they had to get going. So the rest of the interview with, was conducted with Ripper via Skype a couple days later, and here it is. How do you feel about the current state of where the music industry is, where fans would rather subscribe to Spotify or illegally download music than buy it because they feel like bands make all their money at the shows so we we don't have to buy their music. Well, I don't think that's their feeling at all. I mean, you know, less pe- fans even come to the show nowadays just because there is so many concerts. I don't but that I just think they don't think about it when they're listening to music uh, you know, like on Spotify. I mean, they do pay for it. So it's not like you can't, I don't always blame fans totally for that. You know, um, real fans would listen to that stuff and still buy the music, you know, but right. it, it is hard because you had these streaming sites and you kind of listen to it. I mean, uh, I've tried to maybe put on something with the free ones like uh, Pandora or something. I've tried it and listened to it. Um, but you know, I just don't get it. I like to just buy my music and then I kind of just hit, you know, the button on my iTunes and it just plays all my catalog kind of almost like I'm, I feel like I'm streaming it, I guess, when I'm buying it. I don't, I don't think they realize that bands 
I mean, obviously, huge bands make money from that, but the huge bands also make money from selling CDs. I mean, Disturbed's not going to just make money from concerts. They're obviously selling a lot of records as well, so they make it. It's the small bands or, or small tours, which is the majority of musicians, uh, have a lot of expense to tour. I mean, you know, if you have a band going out, it's hard to make money. You know, you don't make very much money because you got a lot of expenses to try and do it. And then you try and sell merch at the shows, uh, and that's probably where you you probably make more of your money selling merch or part, you know, a lot, a good sum of it selling your merch at the show, CDs, T-shirts, whatever. But, you know, I mean, I, I just, you know, I think people do have to realize that, you know, obviously that's why people, well, that's why I stay busy, you know, because that's, you know, I, I make music my living. And uh, with people uh, not buying as much music, you have to, you have to rely on trying to tour and do appearances or whatever. Right, yeah, uh, you know Doyle from uh, from the Misfits uh, was recently in in the press saying that he kind of hates that the way that bands that that or that he per- specifically has to make money these days is by doing these uh, paid meet and greets all the time because nobody buys the music anymore and and in general there's sort of less uh, money in the industry. Well, I, yeah, you know what, I'm not a uh, you know listen. As long as a meet and a VIP pass is a good price, because here's the first thing you're going to I'm not going to not walk past somebody on my way out the door or to the van or bus or whatever and not speak to them anyways. You know, but VIPs are good for people who want to feel that I'm I'm right here. It's personal. I sign some stuff. And you know what? It's absolutely right. You got to pay expenses and you got to make a living. And uh, for the super fans, I think VIPs are good. I just wouldn't. You know, if I do a VIP, it's not going to be very expensive. I'll tell you that much. I can't see charging too much. I mean, I've done some past tours, um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, that's just, you got to make a living. Everybody has to make a living, you know. I mean, this is from a world that wants to, people complain if they want $15 an hour to flip a hamburger. So, you know, everybody wants to make a living. Right, yeah. Can't argue with that. Now, one thing that I've noticed sort of in the uh, current music landscape is that we used to have a lot of these summer touring music festivals like the OzFest and the Mayhem Festival and, and even the Warp Tour, and they've all gone away. Uh, you know, they, they, it seems to be moving more toward now the the European model of like destination festivals, like even the warp tour, like they ended last year as a touring festival. And now this year they're just doing three like weekend things. And then that's it. And I was wondering how you feel about that as far. I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if any, uh, if you ever had played any of those, like the Ozfest or anything like that, but like, how do you feel about the fact that those are going away and, and it's moving more toward these, these destination things instead? Well, I think, I mean, I like the destination things. I mean, there's some, I mean, it's amazing. Because it works that way, it's. Uh, I think it's easier to get bands to come in. I mean, those traveling festivals were great, but there's actually a lot of big tours that happen that have three, four, five bands on it anyways. Now, you know, I mean, you right, see some right. of these big tours go out. And, I mean, listen, I, I think it, it it'll still happen. There'll still be some, but I think it, the way it is, it's just like these. And you know, they had those festivals when I was in, in Judas Priest. We still had them in America. I mean, people think they're getting big now, but I remember playing festivals. It's just that they were starting to crop up back in, in the in the late 90s. But yeah, I mean, listen, like the one in Columbus, it just changed its name, but it used to be called Rockin' on the River. Wildfire or something like that, maybe it's called now, or I'm trying to think what. I think I think that or, it no, was... 
Rock, if, if I'm if I'm if I'm uh, understanding, I think it was Rock on the Range, and they turned it to the Sonic yeah. Temple Music and yeah. Arts Festival. Yes, and it's the same thing. I mean, it's the same. Like the lineup's exactly the same as it would have been if it's, you know, I mean, the festival's still the same people run it, still sponsored by the same things. Monster Energy's there, same heavy bands, same thing. Just changed the name, and it's a fantastic festival. I mean, it sells out and hours and it's you know 30 some thousand whatever and it's great and it's a good location what's nice is they've kind of seemed to have staggered these festivals all throughout the united states and i think it's great i mean i love those traveling things and i think they'll happen again i just think you know who knows i mean maybe it's just they smartened up and realized maybe we can get more bands to just come in and do one one festival yeah, I, I've personally never been able to make it to, to any of those. Like the ones that are that are because I'm, you know, I'm here in, in New Jersey, and so the ones that are far from here, I can't really travel to. And then the the one that's closest is the uh, the Rock Allegiance, which has bounced back and forth between like it started out in Philly, and now they have it right over the border in Camden. And I just haven't been able to make that one due to scheduling. But I would like to be able to do one of those one of these days. Yeah, it's hard to do them, and I'm the same way. But you know, that's that's the thing that makes them exciting because people plan their vacation i mean listen it's just like the cruises i mean now that's the big thing to go do the cruises and uh, people have to obviously it's a lot cheaper to go to a festival than it is a cruise but uh or it is cheaper maybe not a lot cheaper but you know it's a it's a vacation type so people love music and they want to go for the weekend they usually get themselves a hotel and they go travel in and do it but you have to plan it pretty far in advance yeah that's a another another thing that i would like to to try and do is the uh one of the one of the cruises uh, but you know i don't i don't see that happening anytime too soon i've got a i've got a 10 year old and an eight year old so that's not something that is uh, in, in my near future i don't think <laughs> well it's been listen it's i've done a few and Mo- monster energy sent me on a few and i did it really cool i was asked to do like a an acoustic metal show in the morning and it was perfect for me, but I'm not, I'm not a cruise guy either because of, you know, family and stuff. And if I'm going to be gone, I have to be on a legitimate tour. <laughs> I can't explain that. Hey, I'm going on a cruise. So, uh, right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so we had mentioned earlier in our conversation about all of the new music that, that you have coming out. I was wondering if there is anything else and any, any new music uh, by other artists that's either recently out or coming out soon uh, that you're personally looking forward to. You know, I always love to, to hear whatever comes out, I'm, but I'm not, uh, I don't know what's going to be coming out. Probably, I know Megadeth's working on one, I think, and I love to hear all the bands like that. You know, whenever someone like Anthrax or my bands I grew up with, Anthrax or Testament or Megadeth, I always love to, to hear what that is. But um, at this point, you know, I'm, I've been so into what I'm doing with all these, with all the, the CDs and the records I put out and touring that I don't even know what's going on. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I know that uh, uh, some some uh, artists like to take the approach, especially when they're working on new stuff, of not listening to anything that might be in the same vein because they don't want it to bleed into what they're doing. They want to be able to to stay original. Yeah. So. Yes. All right. Well, the only other question I've got for you, you know, we we mentioned that that you've got a lot going on. You've always got a lot going on. So you're on the the Three Tremors tour uh, currently. What's what's next for you after that's over? Well, I'm gonna go back and. You know, figure out the game plan on on the three trimmers. We we have plenty of touring we're trying to do, but I'm going to be doing the uh, Dio hologram tour in the states. So we're still trying to confirm the dates with that and get that ready to go. And it's something I I look forward to doing because it's not really been done before. I was friends with Ronnie and friends with Wendy, and I like to do something that's kind of new like that. Whether 
you know, see how it works out. Hopefully it works out. Give me a break from my mind of, of doing all my material and, you know, all this working on or all the studio work I've been doing. So let me enjoy singing some Ronnie. And, and uh, so I'm kind of w- working on figuring out what the dates that might take up most of the year, actually. Um, I think I might have a couple, you know, five dates or so solo in, in South America in, uh, in April which I just stuck those in because April became available. But yeah, I mean, I'm going to try to probably do this three trimmers more touring with that, hopefully, and, and maybe throw in some Spirits of Fire shows and uh, release this a new Revenge record on March 29th and do whatever comes comes my way. All right, man. Well, that sounds great. It was really great to see uh, to see you finally uh, play a full set live. Uh, like I said, the only time I'd ever seen you perform before was a couple of songs at the, the Roadrunner United. So it was cool to. I really enjoyed the show too, man. It was really. I wasn't really sure what to expect. You know, I wasn't sure if you guys were just going to be playing songs from the tre- the Three Tremors record, but it was cool to see that you, you threw in some other stuff from from your other bands. And uh, you know, it'll be it'll be great to see you come through again. I'll def- I, I definitely. Uh, We'll be checking you out whenever you come back Absolutely. through, regardless of who it's with. Perfect. Great, man. Just want to thank you for taking some extra time out of your day so that we can finish this show. All right, buddy. Thank All you. Right. Souls with Valkyrie that found 
From the album The Three Tremors, that was the band The Three Tremors with Wrath of Asgard. I want to thank Ripper for being on the show and also for making some extra time to finish this interview a few days after our initial sit-down while he was still on tour with The Three Tremors. Be sure to follow all of his projects on social media. You can find Ripper's official Facebook page at Tim Ripper Owens Official, The Three Tremors at The Three Tremors, Spirits of Fire at Spirits of Fire Band, and A New Revenge at a new revenge. You can also follow J Bunny's Music Hub on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon at J Bunny's Music Hub. And don't forget, if you support buying music like I do, follow Industry Embers on Facebook and Twitter, and post or tweet all of your music purchases with the hashtag #BuyMusic, B-U-Y, or it's #BuyMusic, B-Y-E. As for what's next for me, I have a roundtable idea and panel that are almost completely confirmed. I just need to figure out the date and the time, but that should be recording sometime the last weekend of March. I also have a musician interview that hopefully will be happening on April 13th, and I crossed paths with a past guest earlier this week that expressed an interest on being on the show again. We haven't set a date as of yet, but I believe he'll be back in New Jersey in May, so hopefully we can work that out. I'm going to leave you guys today with a song from another band that Ripper is in. From the album Spirits of Fire, this is the band Spirits of Fire with Lightspeed Marching. Until next time, guys. <laughs>